to John 20, verse 21. And I feel a little far away from everybody. Um, John chapter 20, verse 21. And I want to look at two verses with you this morning. John 20, 21, and Ephesians 3, verse 11. And what I'd like to do this morning, if the Lord will allow me to do this, is to look together with you at eternal purpose. What is our eternal purpose? And last night at class, we had a, just a really great class here. We talked about, we talked about missionaries' prayer and the heart that they had to receive something from God that was so much bigger than them. And John 20, verse 21, let's read this together. We see here, um, it's interesting to note the the chronological uh, perspective of events here in Acts 20. And if you remember correctly, Acts 20, I'm sorry, John 20 is the resurrection. Jesus appears to his disciples. And in verse 21, it says this. And remember, too, right, how Peter has denied Christ Right? Right? And then John chapter 20, we see a call from God on Peter's life. And I think that sometimes we think, well, God can call me if I'm perfect, if I do everything right, if I'm qualified, if I have done this and done that. But here's Peter has just failed. He's blown it. He's denied Christ three times. Jesus comes to him and gives him a purpose in the midst of his failure. I think that we're living in failure when we're living in cyclic um, Stumbling and cyclic discouragement and just the things that we go through mentally, uh, we want to be careful to tune into the mind of God because he has something to share and he gives us a call. He gives us a calling in our life when we feel that it's over, it's done with, and we see this over, over and over and over through men and women of God in the Bible. We have a leadership class that we're going to do, that we do before and after this, Service And one of the things that we're going to look at, what we're going to observe in these next five weeks with the leadership class, and I really encourage you to come to that. You don't have to be uh, someone on the trajectory to be a pastor or something. You can come and just listen how to lead your own, your own soul, how to, how to lead uh, your family, how to lead um, your, in your friendships. And when we discover here with leaders is that a lot of them, when they thought it was over, God said, hey, there's a burning bush over here. I have a call for you. Oh, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And whenever we're ready to throw in that towel, right, God is whispering to us eternal purpose. And I want to talk about that, an eternal purpose versus anxiety. And why anxiety? Because anxiety and eternal purpose are more of a contrasting, are more of contrasting foes than you and I would actually realize. But in verse 21, we read this. Jesus said to them, peace be unto you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We, are, we wake up in the morning and there's a big send on our life. We are sent. I remember as a high school student, I was 16 years old, um, just felt like, and I, and I said this last night, I don't have like a testimony that God has saved me from a life of drugs or a life of crime or a life of whatever. God just saved me from the mundane life of existence without an eternal purpose mm-hmm. in my life. God save me from that. And when we look at it in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, we see Paul here talking about the same aspect of 
what Jesus just spoke about here in 2021. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11. And it says this. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he's talking about how this purpose is in the church. Now, you might be thinking today, well, I'm not in a place where I can do something for God. I'm not in a place where I really feel there's any kind of meaning for my life. I don't feel like I'm in a place where I'm really busy right now or I'm in a period of my life just coming out of COVID. But you know something? God gives us an eternal purpose. And I think until we discover that purpose, and we may not know exactly what it is, guys, but until we realize that, hey, I've got a purpose on my life, I might be 11 years old. <laughs> and I got a purpose on my life, right? You know, I, when I was 11 years old, I just remember God just speaking to my heart. And I don't know if Mike is 11. I think 12. you're 12. Okay, 12. I just remember like thinking, man, God's got a purpose for my life. And when God puts a purpose in our life, he does, he, set, he promises us something that's going to go so far outside of anything that we could ask or think. Mm-hmm. I love this quote by David Brainerd. And we only read half of it last night. I'm going to read the whole quote <clears throat> this morning. David Brainerd, who was a missionary to the American Indians up in the northeast of New England, um, every day went out and he struggled with deep depression. Did you know that? David Brainerd struggled with deep discouragement. There were times when, when he just wanted to like quit. And he says this, as long as I see anything to be done for God, life is worth having. Okay? But, oh, how vain and unworthy it is to live for any lower end. Lord, make me, and listen to this, Lord, make me a difference. I'm sorry, Lord, make, let, I'm sorry, Lord, let me make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. Lord, make, let me make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. I love that prayer. God, give me a calling. Give me something to do in my life. In, 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 engage me in your plan that is so far beyond me that it has to be you. Do you feel like that sometimes in your life, that I'm in a situation that's so far beyond me that I, there's, I just do not have what it takes to do this? I mean, I feel like this a lot. I feel I'm in situations where, you know what, this is way beyond me. Like, God, I don't know if I can do this. And the answer to that is, no, you can't. We cannot do it. We have to trust God. And I want to talk about eternal purpose, that God doesn't call us to do the thing that we can do mm-hmm. in the energy of our flesh. He calls us a thing that we can't do. And not only that, that's impossible. Why? Because God's glorified the most in your life when you say yes to the impossible radical plan of God in your life and you step forward by faith and you keep pressing forward. God shows up. Um, George Mueller said this. Remember George Mueller? He was just a man of prayer. He, he just prayed. And that was just his whole ministry. He felt like that that was God's calling in his life, just to pray. And he prayed and he prayed and there's some beautiful books about his life, the, the story of George Mueller. And by the way, when you hear stories about people like George Mueller, don't compare yourself to them. Like, I can't pray nine hours a day. Maybe that's not what God's calling you to do. But I think what God calls us to do, he puts that in us. He puts that desire, that, that, that hunger, uh, that purpose. And George Mueller said this, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. When you and I decide to trust God, say, you know what, God, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. Um, then at that moment, we trust God It's the end of anxiety. And then relaxation can come into our soul. We can begin to live in what is called faith rest. And so I want to just say three things this morning. Number one, we're created for an eternal purpose, okay? 
And I, uh, we can shut that TV off because I think it's like, let me shut that off because we have to, we're looking at a, at a, uh, it's underneath the corner there. Okay, number one, we're created for an eternal purpose. Number two, uh, what is anxiety and how is it healed? What is anxiety and how do we get healed from it? And uh, number three, how to enter and to find uh, your eternal purpose. How do I find my eternal purpose? What is it for me? Um, number one, we are created for an eternal purpose. You know, we are different creatures than the animal kingdom, of course. God has put his spirit in us, and he's placed his eternal purpose in us. Um, it says in Ecclesiastes 3, chapter 11, that he has put eternity in your heart. And that is why we are different than dogs and lions and giraffes and gorillas, because there's a sense inside of us of eternity. We have a sense of eternity. When we think about death, when we hear about a death of a loved one, something does not click with us. Like, why? That, doesn't, that is not right. Something, I remember when my mom suddenly passed away, and I was, you know, you think you're ready for it, but then when you meet it, you're just meeting God in just new territory. And I remember thinking, just being so bewildered at why do we die? And God puts this eternal purpose in us so that we would think beyond ourselves. This is a... <clears throat> this is a sense of eternity that God has created us for <clears throat> in Ephesians 2, verse 10. God's plan, God's good plan, not pleasure alone, but God's good plan. You know, I want to say something about pleasure and entertainment. You know, I think that, I think that what, what our, the world system that we live in really focuses on entertainment because the, 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 the agenda is two things. Number one, that we would take our focus off of the pain and the difficulty and that we would be in some way living in some form of stimulation and occupation, but never really dealing with the root issue. And, you know, I think we live in a culture, God has blessed us with a beautiful life. There's nothing wrong with doing fun things, I think. But I think there can be a moment where entertainment begins to take away from us. It steals from us our purpose it intoxicates us and spiritually can stupefy us. Do you know what I'm saying? I think we could be <clears throat> so intoxicated in our culture that we live in, whatever culture that is, European, South American, Central American, uh, whatever this culture is, the culture of entertainment is directed to stupefy us and to dull us from understanding our purpose. We have been created with a purpose. You know, Jonah, Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 3 and chapter 4. This is a picture of a man who heard from God what his purpose was and said no. I love the book of Jonah. I mean, it's just such a book of the grace of God. And, and I love it. Jonah chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says that salvation is of the Lord. It's a beautiful story about how God calls somebody. And this person is so not on board. <laughs> Literally not on board. He's, on, he's actually on another board. He's on another ship going the wrong direction. And God gets him there. I love the faithfulness of God in his purpose for our life. Because if we say, you know what, I'm done. I don't want the purpose of God. God just keeps chasing us. He'll chase us down. He'll follow us. Why? Because the purpose of God for our life is what fulfills us. And what happened when Jonah rejected God's purpose? Jonah enters into a, pro a process. He enters into a process that leads to anxiety. He's just, he's like anxious. He's not relaxed. He, he has this fear. Um, he, he is... He is upset, he's moody, and that leads to loneliness and depression. And so we see anxiety 
When I take my eyes off my eternal purpose, I'm going to start living in anxiety. Anxiety leads to loneliness, and this loneliness leads to depression. And that's not any big news for anybody, because if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And so we are created for an eternal purpose. God has created us for eternity. The second thing I want to say is, what is anxiety? And I have a few things I want to say about this. And you know what? It's really important as believers that we understand words and what they mean. And for example, when we say the word revival, what does that mean? I know this is off topic, but I just want to say something. Revival is not being in a room where there's a lot of energy and a lot of sound and excitement and social dynamics. Revival is not where necessarily where we see actually a lot happening. Revival happens when you and I humble ourselves, we look to Christ and our eternal purpose, and we surrender to his cross, and we begin to digest his word. And that's when revival starts. Revival always starts when you and I take our eyes off of ourselves. We take our eyes off of our sin. We take our eyes off of all of our dysfunctions. And guess what? Everyone in this room has dark dysfunctions. Don't feel like you're the only one. And we take our eyes off of that and we look to the cross. We look to the word and we think, what does God say about this matter? And that's when revival happens. But anxiety is this undefined abstract fear that is caused by the suppression of unresolved issues. These issues that we do not surrender to the cross. Whatever I don't surrender to the cross in my life is going to become anxiety in my life. It's going to be something that I'm pushing away I'm ignoring it, and I'm not allowing it to be resolved, and therefore it's going to cause anxiety. Excessive entertainment, excessive sublimation, excess distraction is going to only cause more anxiety in my life. Me leaving a situation does not resolve, the con- does not re- resolve conflict. If you and I have conflict, if we're in, if we're in like, if, we're, if there's a battle going on, draw near. Don't, don't, don't withdraw. Don't, because when we withdraw, we're isolating ourselves and we are, we're putting ourselves in a place where we can be pounded on by the devil in the atmosphere. So anxiety is this undefined abstract fear. You know, phobos or fear is, is, is specifically about an object. It's, uh, it's about a thing. I'm afraid of spiders or I'm afraid of snakes. I'm not afraid of spiders and snakes, but I'm, af- I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid that I'm not going to have money or I'm going to be afraid that this happens in my life. That's fear. Anxiety is, is, is this undefined um, nervousness, anxiousness inside of me because I have not taken that fear to the cross and laid it down at the cross and surrendered it to the cross. And that creates an unresolved matter that remains unresolved in my, in my soul. It's remaining unresolved to God's viewpoint. In this state, we feel separated. We feel isolated from the security of purpose we were created for. And we suffer three things. Dissatisfaction, we just become unsatisfied. We get bored and we become nervous. Does that, does that describe our American society that we live in? <laughs> I think it does. Distracted, dissatisfied, bored, and just nervous. Add that to the multiple cups of caffeine that we're drinking every day and that just creates a beautiful society, doesn't it? And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coffee drinker. I love it. You know, there's three major unresolved things in our lives. There are three major things that are unresolved in people's lives. And by the way, when someone says, you know what, it is what it is, I don't, kind of don't like that statement. Do you know why? Because it isn't what it is. When I say it is what it is, I'm just saying, okay, I accept. I surrender. 
white flags going up, and there's nothing I can really do about it. It isn't what it is. It is what God says it is. And I don't want to live in this defeated attitude because it is what it is means I'm just going to leave that unresolved and it's just going to grow a life of its own. I just can't control it anymore. There's some things that when it is what it is and I can't change it, just surrender to the cross. You know, when I, I know that in the morning when I get together, when I, get, when I just sit down in prayer and I direct my prayer to the Lord and just focus and concentration, I know he hears me and there's answers to prayer. And it may take some time, but don't quit praying. Don't leave things unresolved. Three things that remain unresolved in people's lives. Number one, sin. People don't know what to do with sin. You, when we were in Iraq, in the Muslim culture, when I was in China, uh, when I was in South America and Argentina, you know, wherever we go, there's the same problem in every culture. Sin. What do we do with sin? What do we do with sin? Like in the Muslim mindset, um, Muslim mindset is, is there is no true sacrifice for sin. Their mindset is this. Well, God will be merciful. Allah will be merciful. I'm praying that Allah will be merciful. What is the resolution for sin in my life that it's crucified? That's not something I'm trying to deal with in my life. You know, I think in our American mindset, we like to be given a program. Hey, give me a program. I'll work on this. And I'll work on it. And Because if I can work on it, I can feel better about myself. Self. There's nothing we can do about sin. We are sinners, and that's why we needed Christ to come. Actually, we needed Ten Commandments to convince us that. The, the, the purpose of the law was to, was to persuade you and I that it's impossible to fulfill the law. And the book of Galatians says that Christ came so that he could fulfill the law for us so that we could have fellowship with God. And so sin is crucified. It's buried, it's forgiven, it's forgotten. Um, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Hey, who are you? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I have a life. I got to work. I, I, you know, I, I eat. I sleep. But it's no longer I. It's Christ that is my life. Christ is my life. You know, as a pastor, I love pastoring. I love this church. I love people. But you know what my life is? It's Christ. You know? Because if this church doesn't exist tomorrow, I'm still a happy believer. I'm a happy person in Christ. Not that I don't love people. It's just the priority of my life is Christ. And when Christ is our life, we don't live like spiritually manic depressants because Christ never changes. Number two, I think that there's unresolved things in people's lives that are conflicts with people. You know, I have a conflict with somebody. You know, when I have a conflict with somebody, and that's going to happen, just personality things are going to happen and misunderstandings are going to happen. And I, can I just tell you something? Don't withdraw. Don't withdraw. Don't, don't walk away. Don't, don't quit because when we do that, and if that's your nature to do that, like some of our nature is like to do that. We don't want, some of us are ready for the fight. Some of us are not. We want to just step back and, and, just, and just be cool and chill. But do you know what that does? It creates isolation and it causes depression. And it begins to work in us um, a sense of defeat. What is our resolution with conflicts with people? I'm not knowing people after the flesh. That's what Paul said. He said, I know nothing among you. I don't know you guys after the flesh. Paul was talking to a church that was very dysfunctional, the Corinthian church. They had a lot of problems. There was sin in the church. There's a lot of things that were going on. There's a lot of things that people would leave churches about, you know. Many times, and I'm not from Texas, but many times I'll meet people in Texas and say, oh, I left the church because of that reason. Because, well, okay, that's terrible that that would happen. But it's like, I think that if we are on a quest to discover the perfect church, we won't find it until Christ comes back. 
to know someone not after the flesh means I see someone's flesh and you see my flesh and like we what happens we we just okay I'm not going to know that person after that I'm going to know that person after who he is in Christ and that is the resolution for conflict otherwise if I'm not living in divine resolutions I'm going to bury it and it's going to cause anxiety because I'm suppressing it I'm not dealing with it it's unresolved it's sitting in my soul. It's making. It's stinking in my soul, and it's just creating this fear and an anxiety. And the more we push it down, the more anxious we are. And we're like, we, then we forget what the problem was. I don't know why I'm anxious. I just can't sleep at night. I need to have 14 pills to go to sleep at night, or I need to drink a bottle of wine before I go to bed, or whatever that whatever people's thing is to go to sleep at night. Conflicts with people, and then number three, relationships. You know, there are unresolved problems in relationships that can happen in family. And these are, hap- these are healed by trusting God for people. We gotta trust God for people. We really do. We gotta trust God for our kids. We gotta trust God for our spouse. We gotta trust God for ourselves. We gotta trust God for our church. We gotta trust God for people. Because the more we try to fix people, the more, the more it does not work. We cannot fix people. There's only one resolution for broken people, and that's a cross. It's a cross. It's a cross of Jesus Christ. And it's like, like I, I'm not going to know myself after the flesh. I'm not going to know other people after the flesh. I'll see it. But then I would say, you know what, God? You, I, you were crucified for that very same thing in my life. Don't live in knowing yourself after the flesh. Just don't, don't live in that. Be around people. Be around a body of people that are going to reflect to you who you are in Christ. And that's what we want this church to be. When... When we look at the church, by the way, we invite people to church. We're not inviting people to a perfect community. I think some churches feel like, hey, come to our church. It's the perfect community. Um, We're not going to be like the other churches. We're not going to offend you. We're not going to do this and that. We can't say that. What we're saying is Jesus said, come and follow me. When we join a church, when we come into a church, we're coming in to be a part of the building work of God. We're, we're engaging in something. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're, we're, we're building together. You know, a church is not just the pastor and the staff, okay? The church is you guys. It's like, it's the body of Christ. It's, it's the Micahs. It's the Michaels. It's the Hannahs. You know, it's like, it is you and I that make the body of Christ. And so, don't live in unresolved um, issues with your relationships. Just trust God for people. You know, like... If you're single, just trust God for the, for the person that you're going to marry that you may not even know who it is, you know? Pray for your future spouse. Maybe you don't even know who it is. Just say, God, I just pray for my future spouse. If he's doing something stupid right now, just correct him, you know? Just pray. You know, pray, 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 because God's going to answer those kind of prayers. And if you know who your future spouse is going to be, pray for them, you know, specifically. <laughs> we can't change people, but we can trust God for them who can turn the hearts of even kings, right? Proverbs 21, verse 1, God can change the heart of a king. I think that, you know, if an election doesn't go the way everybody wants it to go, that doesn't matter. God can change the heart of a person. You know, God can turn the heart of Pharaoh. God can change things. So I'm not going to live in anxiety about things I can't change. That's the second point. Anxiety is when I'm just taking issues and I'm not allowing God to resolve at the cross and through his word. And that's why, by the way, we have classes in our church because it's just one way that we can disciple people you know it's just a way that we can just not show up and see you two hours on sunday and hey have a great weekend i hope you make it to next sunday but we have classes we have just intentional times of discipleship and fellowship last night was so great because 
Um, we were in here, we were looking at the lives of some missionaries, some of the things that they said. And then the second part of the class, we just did this workshop where we were, uh, we were going through three points of, you know, what the church is called to do, evangelize, disciple, and to plant churches. And we just discussed the points that the devil tries to use to stop us from obeying that. And it was such a rich fellowship. It really was. I'm going to preach on something totally different this morning. And then I went home last night. I was like, I think I'm going to talk about eternal purpose. Three unresolved things in people's lives. And it all resolves by just taking it to the cross. You know what? Take your stuff. If you're a victim, we're all victims to different measures. Just bring it to the cross and lay it at the cross. It's not my right to live in victimhood. I mean, if we want to complain about being a victim, look at Christ. Look at Jesus. He was the greatest victim that ever existed. I mean, he created this world. He came to his own in John 1, and his, Jew, and his own did not even know him. And then they, and they spat upon him, and they, they totally rejected all of his miracles and all of his goodness and all of his prayer, and then they murdered him at the end. And yet, he rises from the dead because not even their, not even their murder could stop his love. You know something? If you and I have this thing that we've been wronged or that we've been hurt or that we've been just living an eternal purpose, just say, you know, I'm setting that aside. I'm leaving that at the cross and that's no longer my stuff. I can't walk around and say, you know what? This person did that and this person did that. And that's why I don't go to church anymore. You know, and that's, you know, when I hate, when I hear that, it really hurts to hear that because there's nothing worse than hearing stories about, you know, a, a religious organization hurting people. Bring it to the cross. Leave it at the cross. And don't let that impact your identity. And number three, you know, how am I going to enter into my eternal purpose? And we were talking about this last night. Paul said to the Colossians, he said to the Colossian church, he said, be filled, be filled to the full with the knowledge of his will. You know, that's important because there's a lot of things that we don't know about what God wants to do in our life, but we can know what his will is. His will is, is that I would build myself up in the morning. His will is that I would love my neighbor. His will, and there's, we can look at that here in a second. But when we're filled with the knowledge of God's will, there's no more room for any sense of victimhood or anger or all this stuff that we could live in. Take our stuff, leave it at the cross, and then listen to God. Our eternal purpose, it never changes depending on what life situations happen you know something tragically could happen to us but the eternal purpose in your in your life never changes his eternal purpose is always the same philippians 3 10 and job 14 verse 7 god's purpose does never change it never changes somebody may say well <clears throat> i struggled with a, <clears throat> I struggled with the will of god for many years and i don't even know if i was in it or not but i finally found it and this is like you know and now i'm 70 years old You know, I I don't like to look. Let's not look at our life like that, because if you are where you if you today are where God wants you to be, then the whole rest of the whole thing, the earlier in your life has all been redeemed. It just is all redeemed. And I think that I think God gives you and I the years, the experience, the wisdom, the insight. He gives us the spirit that all the years that the canker worm or the devil has eaten up in your life. And if you're at a certain age in your life and you just think today, well, I, you know, I'm no longer young and I don't have the energy and I don't have the vision and the, the optimism and, and I don't know if I'm in God's will or not. Like if you and I walk with God in his eternal purpose today, 
and we're going to look at that just in a second before we close, then he'll redeem, he redeems all of that. I told you the story about um, Sophia and our church in Ukraine. She was, when we, when we moved there, she was one of the first people that we met. And she was an, elder, she was an older woman at the time. And that was like in the mid-90s. And she's still, still alive, still following God. And we met her and she told us her story. Her family had been, her family had been deported to Siberia. Her entire family had been deported to Siberia. And she was a 14-year-old girl living in this city her whole family was gone, and she was forced to marry a Russian general, uh, his, his chauffeur of his car. And he was, she was forced to marry this guy, and she married this guy. They ha- she had this beautiful son who got saved, and she uh, lived her whole life just as a Catholic, trying to maneuver uh, communism and just all the complexity of life like that. And then we meet her in the 90s. And I don't know how old she was at that time, but she was maybe, I don't know what her age was. But she said, we started a school, we started these classes, and she said, you know something? She goes, I've wasted my whole life. I've got to just take every hour I can and just be in the word and digest the word and hear it spoken. And, and I remember, you know, she would sit in the front. And I thought, okay, this is great. She's going to do this for six months and she's going to get tired. No, she did this for four years. She was in this thing for four years. And she would, do, she would be in the class writing every single thing down. And I just thought, God, give me that hunger for the word. And she understood that this is her purpose. And this is what is our purpose. There's four aspects of our purpose in every life circumstance. And number one, to know him and the power of his resurrection. What's God's purpose for you today, this moment? This day, uh, May 23rd, 2021, what, God, what is God's purpose for you this moment? Just to know him and the power of his resurrection. Meaning if something's killing you today, don't withdraw. Don't get separated. Don't isolate yourself where you're going to get beat on more, drawn near. The power of his resurrection means there's something inside of you that still lives and breathes after everything else has been killed in your life. And that's Christ. And that's a vision. And that's a purpose. Do you feel defeated? Do you feel like you're wiped out? Do you feel like you can't trust anymore? Christ is in us. Just know him. Listen to him. Sup with him in the morning. I love how we prayed this morning um, with Robert. I think so many church services, we can start off with God. In Jesus' name, bless the service. Amen. And then just jump right into our program. I, I love it that, that we can just slow it all down and just have several minutes of prayer and just get quiet before him. Because when we do that, we can just know him. Just know him in the power of his resurrection. Number two, count everything else as worthless in your life compared to Christ and his calling. Martin Luther said this. He said, the most valuable thing that you have in your life, the most precious thing, the, most, the greatest thing that you possess in your life is your call. It's your calling. It's your calling. We, don't, we may not know all the details of the call. We may not know what God is calling us to do. But I think if we can hear the voice, if we can hear the voice, I remember hearing the voice of Christ when I was 17 years old on an airplane coming back from a mission trip. God called me. And I just remember this call, Matthew chapter 4, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Just hear the call of God. You know, listen to him, hear him, count everything as worthless compared to Christ. Um, Esau had the birthright, right? And he was hungry and he sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup. Red soup. 
in Poland and Ukraine, there is this red soup. And uh, it's really good. It's called barst. It's really delicious. It's made of beets. Maybe that's what it was. But here Esau sells his birthright because he has an appetite for something. He lost sight of the call of God in his life. He lost sight of it. He lost sight of it. He, he, he didn't value it. And what happened was is that somebody else that saw it and valued it went after it. And guys, you know, if we say no to God's call in our life, someone's going to raise somebody else up, you know? If someone walks out, you know, God's just going to put someone else in that place because he has the will to bless the body of Christ. So let's like, let's not withdraw. The number three, determine to win Christ in every conflict. You know, if you have a conflict, just win Christ. Just win him. Lose your self-life. Uh, say no to your flesh. Say no to your reactions. Just win Christ. Just divine silence. A soft word um, breaks the bone, you know. Uh, it just, if you want to break bones, just speak softly. <laughs> you know, the velvet hammer in your life, you know. Um, it, it's what it just speaks softly. Someone that lives uh, with the meekness of God can speak softly, and you can feel like your bones are just broken. I don't know if you've ever talked to anybody like that. It's not something destructive. It's just very forceful because you feel the energy there that this person can just blow me away right now, but they're speaking in grace and in the, in the, in the gentleness of Christ, and the result is, is that there is this, this, there's this impact Determined to win Christ in every conflict. I'm going to win Christ. I'm going to say no to my flesh. I'm just going to win Christ. I'm going to say no to my depression. And guys, by the way, you know, there's going to be moments where we feel it and it's coming on us, but don't let it under your skin, okay? Temptation is going to be on you sometimes. Don't let it under your skin. Just don't let it build a nest, like Martin Luther said, in your hair, right? These, what happens is <clears throat> there are these low-flying birds, <clears throat> and they're like projections, and Martin Luther is talking about temptation. He goes, you know, the devil will send like a projection, like a temptation. It's gonna, it's, you're you're going to feel it like fly <clears throat> right over your head. You're going to feel the air, like the wings just, I don't know if you ever had birds fly over your head really low, like in, in Krakow, Poland, in the, in the center of the city. There's like all these pigeons everywhere, and they're just so dirty. Tons and tons of pigeons everywhere. And when you're walking through the middle of the, of the square, these birds are flying all, of, all over the place. And you can sometimes feel them fly near, near your head. And Martin Luther said that temptations like that, just don't let the bird land and build a nest in your hair. That's pretty gross, isn't it? Just don't internalize it. Don't let it under your skin. And number four, manifest Christ in your visible and invisible world. I want to finish with a quote. And I think it's from my pastor back home. I just couldn't find the quote, but I just want to read it to you about eternal purpose. And if there's anything that you take away from this message, take away this, okay? Eternal purpose of God is one and the same as his love. To be in his purpose is to experience his love. And to experience his love is to function in God's eternal purpose. The result is that love heals us from the anxiety as we begin to know that we are in a secure atmosphere of love and of grace of Christ's purpose. Ephesians 3.11. God's love is that unifying factor that causes us to understand we are one with God, hence healing us from the anxiety of separation from our purpose. And that's the American culture. We're separated from our eternal purpose, and that just relates, that just results in so much anxiety. He continues, 
whenever we apply the divine perspective via the word of God to circumstances in our lives, we are allowing the ultimate resolution in these matters. The result is inner peace, a sense of being loved, that all is okay, and the satisfaction that the matter is not left unresolved. Our capacity to trust God grows for issues because of his promise, as with Joshua, and things and people and problems are not left unresolved. We can then relax and see the end of anxiety in our souls. Amen? So let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you, God, Lord, that we can rest in your sovereign plan for our lives, that, God, you have given us a purpose, a purpose to know him, to walk in the exciting plan that you have for our lives, the faith walk, Lord, the the decisions that we make that are so outside of anything that we could ever achieve, but we're just trusting you, God. And Lord, we want to intentionally be among people that are going to reflect to us who we are in Christ. Because left to ourselves, left alone, uh, separated, we just live in loneliness, and we live in anxiety, and we just begin to live in the world's entertainment to dull the pain. God, we thank you, Lord, that you don't brush things under the carpet in our soul, but Lord, you just chase after those things that, that are standing up between us and the peace that we have in Christ. So Lord, we just want to surrender to you all of our stuff. Whatever that stuff is, my rights, my anger, my victimhood, my this or that, my opinion about people, what I think should be done, or, or I'm angry or offended because this didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. And So, Lord, we just want to leave all that foolishness at the cross, and we want to know one another after who we are in Christ. God, because the church needs to be a safe zone where people can be in an environment where where there's reflection of exciting vision and purpose, that we're going places with God, and that we're walking by faith. We're taking back the the territory that the, the devil has taken through fear and through discouragement. So, Lord, I just pray over us today, a blessing, and that you would just pray for Brooke's family, uh, for just uh, the loss they've had in their family, Lord, the memorial service coming up, Father, this weekend, and I just pray that you would do something really special with, with Brooke's family, and thank you, God, for Brooke, and just do above anything that we could ever ask or think, just surprise us, Lord, with your grace, in Jesus' name, I pray these things, amen and amen.